Okay, hello and welcome to episode 17 of And Steve Talk Stuff. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's it's uh, it's a uh, slightly overcast Thursday here, and um, the plants need watering, so that's good. Mm-hmm. The economy has been quote unquote open for four days now. Um, there have been lots and lots of uh, vox pops with people in supermarket queues and IKEA queues, and they're saying things like, "I'm going to buy everything. Sure, why wouldn't I?" And things like that, and that's giving um, retailers a lot of hope. There's um, there's talk of childcare being reopened at forty percent capacity. The Minister for Children just announced seventy five million euros for that, um, so that's pretty great. And um, the uh, primary school term, quote unquote term, is nearly over. So uh, battling with nine year olds to get them to finish their uh, Boona Kainta is is nearly over, so I'm I'm quite excited about all of these things. To be perfectly honest with you, how are you getting on? <laughs> I'm good. You know, um, similar. Have some plants need watering as well. A uh, bit more help this week with the uh, with the, with the, with the cooler weather, but yes. life is good, and um, I'm I am excited to see things slowly emerge. I I don't know. Um, I am I'm hopeful where we talked about a chance to rethink and the fear of the great forgetting all those things are in my head and mm. uh i really i'm going to verge on the side of hope today because that's what i that's what i tend to do and then if things go belly up you know i i like to be i don't know i don't i i yeah i suppose i i try to be a bit optimistic in general but um well it is because if things go crap then you're like oh, i know that it happened and you know, you feel great about being right about something crap. But um, I'm, I'm hopeful that things have eased a bit. You know, it's a bit easier to meet people around. But uh, anyway, we aren't really talking about this today, are we? We aren't talking about the world we live in. No, we're not. There's an explicitly non-C word conversation. <laughs> um, we're not even saying it, Anne. We're not even saying it. We're just going to... We, we, we started off this podcast talking about economics and and uh, a new kind of society um, and human behavior. And, um, and then a thing happened, yes. which everybody listening to this knows about. And then we decided, do you know what? Screw talking about the thing. Let's talk about anything that's not the thing. So yeah. I think we've talked about spacesuits, tractors. Yeah. Um, Re- reimagining, um, reimagining, turning the city from water to diamonds. Turning the city from water into diamonds. Um, <laughs> yeah, turning the city from water to diamonds, and um, and now we're talking about Ali McBeal, yep. neoliberalism. We we did one um, podcast about season one, and this one's about season two. So in this season, so uh, for people who didn't listen to the first podcast, uh, Ali McBeal is a female lawyer. Very important that those two words are in that order. Um, in 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 twenty twenty, it sounds vaguely anachronistic or something. Isn't she just a lawyer? No, it turns out she's not. She's a female lawyer, and that matters for the basic basic structure of the of the show. Um, the other kind of really interesting thing is it's set in the late nineties. So you're talking about sort of Bill Clinton is the president and you know the world trade center hasn't happened and you know all of that so it's it's a very it's very much the height of uh uh you know american expansionism and the show is shot through with those 
um, uh, undertones. It's also uh, it's also really well written in places. In places. Um, and so it's written with a view to having very interesting individual scenes, right? So the, 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 the job of work that is done in the scene is to get the character to say the line, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. Uh, and some of the lines are, are just gold, like they're amazingly well-written. The problem is when you, struck, when you put all those things together, you get a really inconsistent show. Um, and, and, and that was grand in the 90s when you watched the show once a week on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. When you're in 2020, you know, 25, 30 years later, watching the thing, um, you were watching it one after the other because that's how we live now. Yes. binge watch large amounts of shows. Um, uh, um, one you know. watch 23 episodes, you better be binging. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There's, there, there's over 20 episodes in every, in every season, mm. uh, which, which must have been absolutely brutal for the staff to actually shoot. Mm. Right? It must have been really hard. The crew must have, you know, half killed themselves. Um, and so, um, and so that, that became a, a source of problems later on. But I think what's really interesting about this second series, it's a bit like the sequel to a, to a, to a, to a big TV show, to a big film. Um, it has. It doesn't get the 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 world right. It's a, in my mind. It's sort of Iron Man and Iron Man Two. Like with Iron Man, you, as long as you've got Robert Downey Jr. smarming his way through some CGI, yeah. you're going to be grand, you know. Because because ultimately, all superheroes are about their origin, and a bit like that, Ali McBeal has her origin story, and her origin story. Uh, it's actually like 45 episodes ago, so I can't super remember what the origin story is. Do you remember? Well, yeah. I mean, it's ultimately a, a, the breakup with her big love is the big like thread going through the show. And she ends up back. Interestingly, she ends up working in the office with Billy, the, the last love of her life, mm. because she has a boss who has been grabbing her arse. Oh yeah, that's right. Claims when challenged on it, uh, lawsuit-wise, claims to have OCD and keeps grabbing everyone's arse to prove that this is a problem he has. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's this odious toad of a character, yeah. uh, very well played and um, uh, and uh, very well written in the infuriating uh, way. And then she ends up in her old friends, her old college uh, mates' uh, law firm. And obviously, as I said, Billy's working there too. So that's, that's what kind of brings us in to, we're introduced to a woman who's, who is standing up for herself against, um, you know, uh, sexual harassment, like sexual, like absolutely blatant, nothing like even remotely, uh, oh, I'm not sure about that. Maybe he meant something else. It's like two hands on, two butt cheeks, proper grab. Yeah. Nothing else could be interpreted. Uh, Anyway, uh, you know, so we see she's standing up for herself in this kind of misogynistic old boys club world. And then she is in this very quirky office, I think is what we, we said. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Big X is there and he's married now to somebody else. Yeah, who is, who, who it turns out later on, who is also a very nice person, right? So this, so this is an important point in that 
she is not an unlikable character. She's actually, you know, they become friends and, uh, but, but always with this tinge of like, but you really want my man, don't you? Right. So there's a lot of that. And this fish on is really interesting. But, um, so the first show, the first series kind of, uh, uh, Peter's out. Ali has a series of love interests. They, they, they don't work out because Billy's always in the background, but he's very much a passive force in the first series right he's not really you know he's there but only as a sort of a, a curtain against which to bash a tennis ball off right yeah. like he doesn't really react to her very much you know we are introduced to the fact in the first season that billy has a bit of a temper we, we don't really see this until the second season so the second season a bit like iron man 2 they can't, they don't, they can't get away with establishing the world, right? So they can't do all that lovely, oh, who is this person? And tell me about their quirks. So they have to, they have to expand it. Yeah. They expand the world in a couple of major directions. The first thing that they do is that they add on more lawyers. And these lawyers are kind of emblematic of different parts of, uh, uh, um, I won't say Ali McBeal, but what I really mean is the, uh, the way women are represented on television. Mm. Right? So, the, the two kind of major additions um, are uh, Nell and Ling. So Nell is this um, uh, absolutely stunning blonde who is portrayed uh, by Portia de Rossi as um, uh, initially very cold, very calculating. Um, her nickname is the Ice Queen, you know, and um, she, is, she, she, she is introduced like this as this sort of calculating person. Sub-Zero Nell, isn't that it? Pardon? Sub-Zero Nell. That's right, Sub-Zero Nell, you're right, you're right, right. <laughs> and her, um, her, uh, when she's introduced to the firm, they're all, there she's on the stairs, they're all clapping, and Ali and Georgia and Elaine say, you know, you know, uh, they're all clapping as they say, we hate her, right? And they're like, yes, yes, we hate her. You know, and so that there's that conflict already set up, which is quite interesting, but you know how it's going to be resolved. And then there's another character called Ling. So Ling is initially introduced to us as a just just um, another one of the uh, clients that's brought in to give Ali a reason to stand up in court and have uh, a monologue, right? And bringing and quite ridiculous, like case insane laws. I mean, her insane lawsuits. Her, she's suing trees like it's it's you know she sues a man having radio shows having for thinking about her like sexual harassment via via thoughts yes yes and things like that yeah things but yeah sorry I'll let you go on you're you're so so what's really interesting about them is so almost immediately you're introduced to the opposite of their characters through their characters so the so Nell who's supposed to be the super cold person. Like the first thing she does is to let down her hair Rapunzel style yeah. and, and immediately fall in love and gushing kind of love with, uh, with um, the biscuit who, who is fantastically quirky character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and another uh, brilliant lawyer who, who I presume would never win an actual case in real life. Um, yeah. And uh, Ling is uh, initially sort of again, uh, cold and hard, but 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 almost but 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 almost hyper logical. It also turns out through the middle of the show that Ling is a lawyer, yeah. um, and and a very very good one, as it turns out, um, and an extraordinarily good negotiator. And then Ling becomes she merges from 
client to a coworker very, very quickly. And then uh, Ling's journey evolves again, but she, we don't see the softer side of Ling uh, until quite some time later, actually. Um, but what's really interesting about it is throughout this period, Ali is kind of, she, she's, she's got one of her, her long-term boyfriends back. He's a doctor, he's very, very uh, well played. Um, and, uh, but again, the, 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 all of Ali's love interest played straight man in, in, in some respects. Mm -hmm. no pun intended they 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 what they're what they're there to do is is have something for her to bash off you know and what she does eccentric yeah yes 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 right right they're dancing babies and so on and and um she's in a situation where every time she looks like she is going to really connect with uh um the 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 love interest particularly the doctor in the first half of the second series um the ex-boyfriend, Billy, here is ugly head. Suddenly he's mad about her. Suddenly he's mad about her. The prick. <laughs> what a prick. He is a prick. I mean, it, it, the, the, the thing about Ali McBeal is um, that the, the structure of every scene is set up to deliver a cool, memorable line. Yeah. And that's great. Um, and then when you, when, you, when you pull the scenes together, you see that the episode is relatively consistent within its own goals, but utterly inconsistent with respect to the overall series, the which overall is no bother, yeah. you know? That's grand. I think you made a big point that, you know, yeah. for shows that we watch weekly and you don't spot yeah. inconsistency when you've had an entire week in life to connect with the next one, you know? Yeah. And you're not reading tweets and you're not reading articles on it. You don't, you know, you're literally watching this episode and you're gonna next week watch the next one. And so, yeah, inconsistencies are not going to be spotted. No, but whereas we spot them pretty much instantly because our memory of the last show is right there, you know? And so what you see in particular for Billy's character is he is, um, well, first off, he's got a real temper on him. Like he's always grabbing her and turning around. Like he's grabbing her by the shoulders and whizzing her around. And she's a tiny little person. Yeah, she is teeny weeny and he seems like a fairly big bloke and um he's sort of spinning her around he's roaring at her when actually but when he physically he's either roaring at her or when he physically turns around then he's hush tones you know oh yes yes, yes gentle yes. really and he does the same to his wife as well do you know what i mean like a yeah total girl like i just I'm yeah no he is he is and, and he's but but even that he's not even consistent in his uh gowlishness if that's a word Right. So, so sometimes, sometimes he's an angry gal and sometimes he's just a bit of a sad gal. Hmm. Sometimes he's a, I want to kiss you on the face gal. Yeah. Um, and you know, let's have a, let's have a sad dance gal. Yeah. Um, there's a fantastic moment where they all go to therapy and the therapist is Tracy Ullman. Yeah. Um, it's brilliant. And then for some reason, um, Tracy Ullman can't be there. I don't, it's never really explained why, but the uh, therapist is Bruce Willis. Yes. Who's just, who just goes, this is ridiculous. None of you people have problems. Go away. And he completely insults them. He's fantastic. He's really, it's he's a, really great. All the therapists in that show. I mean, in, in, with Tracy Ullman, Bruce Willis, and then we see Rosie O'Donnell as well. Yes, yes, yes. Minus in any of them. They're all literally, it's like they're at the end of their tether with America's love affair with psychoanalysts. Um, analysis where they're just like, oh, I'm just sick of you talking about yourself. Uh, which, yeah. Kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because 40 years of psychoanalysis at that point right so and, and yeah. but there like i remember the years ago around 2008 i went on a big um trip around the states with a friend of mine and she she overheard a father and a son walking along and the son was um young like five six ish and the the father or the adult male with the child anyway assume the father goes um I'm really having a difficult day right now and I don't feel like I have space. So I need you to respect my space and maybe give me some quiet. And, you know, and the little five-year-old is like, who? Huh? And just the thought of using that kind of language to a child, like was totally like overheard in uh, Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, realizing, geez, like if, could I imagine any Irish parent ever using, the, saying that to me when I was a kid or, or, or anyone I know saying that to their kids. And, like there seemed to be an absolute, the show really leaned into an absolute fatigue with, um, I suppose that psychoanalysis and these, it's really fun having these therapists who are like, shut up, <laughs> shut up talking about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally my job to listen to you, but I'm going to play, I'm going to ask you for your theme song instead, <laughs> you know, uh, which was really interesting. That sort of generated a funny conversation in our house. Cause I was like, what would, you know, to ask my kids, like, what would your theme song be? And they were all like, pretty much the Imperial Death March from Darth Vader, you know, and you're like, that's your theme song? It's not like, you know, happy, happy, joy, joy, or whatever. It's like, no, <laughs> Darth Vader, you need respect, you know? And I was thinking, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think like, what, what would your theme song be if you had a theme song? You know what? And I watched this show obviously back in the day, and I I I did wonder. Um, I don't. I you know there are days where there are different theme songs, and I I've never been able to to settle on one. Um, and I know this this is a total avoid avoid. What's a question deflection? But I know when I need to do something. Uh, say I'm uncomfortable doing, say I have to do a job and I have to kind of um, be a bit uh, bigger than I am and maybe stand up myself. Like sometimes I do work where I'm organizing an event and maybe traffic has to stop for a second and I hate standing in front of traffic. And what I do is I envision myself in um, as a very big, fat, uh, strong uh, man who doesn't give a crap about anything and who would just walk out and stop traffic and with a hard hat, you know, a fella in a hive is that's, I pretend to be that so that I can do the thing. Cause I know Anne Blake in current state would be mortified blocking a car for a minute. But if I envision <laughs> a big, I don't know if I can use the terms I'd actually want to say, but, um, a, a, a big, a big, big fat fella in a, in a high viz and a hard hat, then I can do it. So I know that is not what is my theme song, but that is, I suppose, tapping into something else to get through an awkward moment in my life. That's my alter ego. Man in a heart and a hive is. That's, 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 uh, you see that all the time in, in academia. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so um, the first couple of years after somebody finishes a PhD, they dress like they're 10 years older. Mm. Like they put on, like, it's like there's a sort of, I don't know, a moment where, and these people are like late 20s, early 30s, right? So, but the, the, there's a moment where they go, oh my God, I need to have like a shirt and a, and a jacket and all that. And I, I still wear all that stuff to work, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but well, <laughs> when I had, when there was an office to go to, uh, but, but. 
but for today on Zoom, I must say. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Here, here, here I am in my uh, my my uh, my prime lecturer outfit. The the hood, uh, is up, ladies and gentlemen. The hood is up. The hood is up. Um. Yeah. So so um. Uh. Yeah. The 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 that that happens too. I think people, you know, they dress they dress to impress. They also teach the same way they were taught. So yes. that's that's really really important as well and for you Stephen, what is your theme song um so it depends <laughs> it actually depends so i think i have a like a mental apple music playlist so when i'm grading exams i need really shit techno oh. like yeah um sort of kind of four to the floor stuff just just really you know it has to be and i just listen to the same song over and over again uh, when, uh, when I'm just about to start a, a lecture, um, yeah. it's, 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 it's more like, you know, like new order or, you, you know, that kind of like, do, 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 do that, you know, mm. but, um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's typically it. It's, it's, it's less, um, I don't know. There's not a lot of singing. I don't imagine a lot of singing. I imagine the beat. Beat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, imagine, I imagine the beat. I, I don't, no necessarily if that's um a good thing you know it's i think yeah. whatever gets you through i don't think a man in a high-vis vest and a hard hat is a particularly necessarily good thing either but it, it might get me through an awkward moment i know when i'm doing a theater show i have a series of warm-ups i do you know mm -hmm. that get me into a place of focused or physical or vocal or you know they're mental a mm -hmm. um, bit like what's his name johnny uh who was the fella, the rugby player who did the, the three steps and the squat and held his hands? Um, he played. No, he played for England. Uh, they all started doing that after him, but it was all to slow his heart rate down. He did this mad little three steps back, stuck his bum out, held his hands together, and then kicked the ball. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, and that was to slow his heart rate down. And it's all, it's the same. It's like anyone just getting yourself into a mental place. So I think the theme song is is all that i know when i went running a number of years ago i there was a song called euphoria that won the eurovision and it's just a really good beat and it's it it, it just i find even now i feel like i've kind of manchurian candidate like um programmed myself when i hear that i'm able to run even when <laughs> even when i don't feel like it but but back back to back to our our um um, I, I think what's funny about Ali McBeal and watching it is because the show, it does hold up quite well. It does, yeah. Today watching. And I think a lot of things we watch now are, are retrospectively set in a previous time. You know, there's a lot of, I think it's very interesting to watch a show that's made in the era, in its current era. Like any show that, that is like been in its own time. And because uh, it tells you a lot about the time itself. It's not, you know, an 80s movie made in in the in the noughties it's it's a it's yeah. it's not there's no kind of oh like wisdom being injected into it that wasn't there do you know yeah. i think what's what's um funny is there's a lot of sexual harassment stuff and a lot of it is this has kind of gone too far and you can't do anything and oftentimes i feel the cases are would this go to court or would maybe someone have had a conversation? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and again, the, just to go back to the stuff we talked about last week, like 
one of the major things that drives this to court or any of this crap to court, even the lawyers don't want to do it, is the fact that the head of the, the, the law firm, Richard Fish, loves money. So he's an absolute capitalist. So he's like, do they have money? Yes, but it's a frivolous lawsuit. Like they're, const- they're constantly complaining to him. Yeah. This is not law. This is not why they, they went to Harvard or whatever, you know, to, tr- to sue a tree. And it's like, and he's like, I don't care. They have money. Let's go. Uh, he, I think that there, it, it is interesting as well that they kind of all go along with that, you know? Yeah. The thing that, you know, we don't see at all really is inequality. So all of these people go, went to Harvard. They, they are, you know, very upper middle class uh, or upper class. Their, their struggles are, you know, they go to, the, to a pub three nights a week. Dear God, know. they are in that pub every night and work the next day. Like, yeah. you know. Work after the pub. So very often the kind of the huggy, dancey, sad bit at the end of every show is actually after the bar, they go back up to the office to do work. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, you know, like that's, I mean, you'd want, you want a whack of a tolerance to do that, you know, down three martinis and go back upstairs, you know. Uh, but then, but, you, you know, they obviously only had about four sets. So that's, that's grand. But uh, yeah, it, it is an interesting show. They're super privileged. And um, like, it's, it's funny because even I remember there was um one of the episodes, like we're, I suppose we're talking about Billy a bit this week because he, he's, he's got a bigger role in this, but I, I find it interesting, uh, I suppose because of the world we live in now where everything is quite divisive and othered and you were this, you were that. Uh, you know, it's very, pro- in a very problematic way. We have, we're not allowing for a lot of nuance of thought and, and, and that. But he is, um, in one episode, as we said, like he completely sabotages Ali's love life because he's just randomly like wants his cake and eat it but there is an interesting thing where he defends a, a law firm that has a bathing suit day that uh, makes all its staff men and women wear bathing suits and one woman is not comfortable and I don't think she'd have necessarily I think she'd have probably done uh, an employee complaint but in, this ends up in court and um, uh, over sexual asking about being uncomfortable and Billy argues it and he's basically ultimately his argument is the men were asked to do the same therefore it doesn't count because everyone's as uncomfortable as each other it's the same thing for a man to be in teeny tinies as a woman to be in a bikini and all that and um and he, he and he wins and uh and then a week later his wife is in the office wearing uh, a dress that's a little bit revealing. And he notices other men looking at in a direction, smiling, and he follows their gaze to her. And it's yeah, his, yeah. It's a great wife. shot, actually. <laughs> Very well shot. Yeah. His wife, uh, you know, and he runs up and like a la 1950s, throws his, his jacket over her and says, I'm your husband. You need to take that off. And... Like, it's like, I don't know if it's deliberate. Maybe it is, but it seems like one week later, one, well, one episode later, he is completely disagreeing or, or being shown up for yeah. this ludicrous, uh, self-important double, you know, kind of double yeah, it, stack. It's because, he, so his, he's, he's not a consistent character throughout the show, right? So his... Like all, all the characters are essentially there to throw Ali off her equilibrium hmm. so that we can see how she reacts. And that sort of shift from, you know, happy to sad to very happy and back to happy again 
that thing that that is the dramatic arc of every individual show you know he has to be the thing that either makes her sad or makes her happy at any time so his his character is a sort of residual which is why it appears to be totally inconsistent from show to show right because at, at a certain point in the show he needs to be lovely and charming and you know and pull her away from the 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 the, the lovely doctor right and then other times he needs to be a complete bastard so that she's shocked into sadness and then doesn't know what to do and then she has a heart to heart with her best friend and then or whatever and then it comes back to where she was so the whole time he's he's like sort of generating randomness inside of the 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 the, the McBeal personality and it's it's fascinating to watch but what it is is they're literally taking every bad thing a bloke has ever done and going yeah let's just do that this week why because we kind of need it to happen yeah right and it's it's interesting how they use him as this sort of receptacle for bad behavior yeah. um and it's fascinating that richard richard fish uh is as we were saying economically kind of the emblem for neoliberalism um he's kind of the the privileged white fellow who always get away with absolutely oh yeah thing absolutely but see the absolutely. slight curveball in that is the stuff that happens with the bathing suit and that uh and then with with georgia him throwing the jacket ali doesn't see any of that do you know yeah, that's right. and, um it, so that is all seeing his character do this independent of her like it doesn't yeah. actually affect her when he's yeah this kind of double standard asshole and that's what i suppose i you know part of me i suppose if, if your um thesis last week was richard fish's neoliberalism i, I kind of feel like in a weird way billy has th those hints of brett kavanaugh or that self i know i know that might sound a bit extreme but that those seeds of absolute self uh, no reflection until everything's really too late mm, yes blowing up his own wife's life his, his, his ali's life her doctor fella's life completely unapologetically and roaring his head off and you don't know what you're talking about and and then when everything's gone to absolute shit he'll eventually go oh maybe mm, you know when there's no consequences at all yeah, yeah. and then even not really right but even, like you don't get a sense that he's like, oh, I've really fucked this up. I should have some therapy and maybe get my act together. He's like, no, no, no. I'll just kind of say sorry and keep going. Yeah. Right. You know, and because because why? Because we need him to be back in season three. Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. Um, yeah. But 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 of course, his only role now is to just sort of sort of provoke. Yeah. Yeah. And then after a while. Uh, I don't know if we'll keep going with season three because I'm kind of sick of Valley McBeal. I'm not going to lie, right? <laughs> but my wife is completely like, like, like focused like a missile on season four, which is when Robert Downey Jr. arrives. It's a good season, right? So what we might do is just all agree that season three was shit. Yeah, not do those twenty-three episodes and jump directly to season four, where the new modern man arrives, right? So that if if Billy is this like 1950s sort of you know, unreconstructed male discovering feminism or whatever, which is it's not really what's happening. But the the if if that is that that then Robert Downey Jr. is the modern man, who's well, you know, and I think yeah, we will rest Ali for a while for 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 a lot of people's sakes, um, mainly those people listening. <laughs> We're like, please stop. We do. Have, we have lots of other stuff to talk about that yeah, we. we do. 
And so do please join us again when we are back uh, talking uh, stuff, I suppose. But until then, Stephen, always delightful and enlightening and uh, entertaining to chat. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. And uh, can I just say, I watched, uh, uh, actually the whole family, we sat down and we watched the narrative for, uh, uh, um, oh, is it a, an event, a performance on Facebook? And it was really great. Like it was, it was fantastic. I, I loved it. Like we, we, all, we all loved it. And um, there, there has been a sort of revolution in our house where um, what everyone's doing is sort of finding things that they sort of care about hmm. and having a look and then sort of people are drifting in and out of those things. So what I mean is um, there was like a foraging workshop, right? And my wife's really into that stuff. And we all just kind of like floated around watching this thing. And similarly, we found the narrative four thing. And it was just fantastic. And I loved the song we played at the end. It was just brilliant. Like, well, thank so I'm glad to see it back. It's a, it's a fantastic organization. It's, well, thank you. It was a, yeah, it was, a, I suppose, a mixture of story and song. So a narrative for Limerick. Hopefully that'll be back soon. And that's yeah. in partnership with our friends at the Limerick Post. So mm, it's absolutely. all very, very good. Listen, well, thank you for that, Steve. And I'm all blushing now as we sign off. And uh, until next week, have a good one. You too. Take care. You have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff, a Limerick Post podcast produced by Kean Reinhardt, theme tune composed and performed by David Blake. Follow Stephen Kinsler on Twitter at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne Blake at Anne Blake 78. She is an Anne with no E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. If you have any questions, you can get to any of these Twitter accounts or follow the hashtag Anne Steve Talk.